0: The approximate time when Jesus would be uh, would be coming the first time and they were looking for him. They were anticipating his arrival. And so I want to talk to you today about anticipating Christ's coming. And uh, the word anticipation means expectancy. Uh, looking forward to an excitement. I wonder how many Christians are are really expect expectantly looking for Jesus's Second coming We need to be Expectantly looking for his second coming He could come at any moment And uh, The word anticipation means suspense Or sitting on the edge of your seat Have you ever been sitting on the edge of your seat waiting For something to happen Or you're watching a movie And and uh, you're in suspense You don't know when the person's going to jump out From behind the the Curtain or whatever you know And that's the way we're supposed to be As it pertains to the Lord's uh, second coming, I remember when my uncle would take me fishing as as a young boy. I'd get so excited and I just couldn't wait. Just couldn't wait for that day to come. And I'd be counting those days off on the calendar until he'd come. And he'd always come and get us about 4.30 in the morning. I didn't mind getting up to go fishing at 4.30 in the morning. Now, I didn't like to get up early to go to school. But I like getting up early to go fishing. and In fact, I'd go to bed about 6 o'clock in the evening. Hoping that I'd go to sleep. And you know, time can fly by when you're sleeping. And I didn't want to get to sleep as quick as I could the night before. So that I could wake up and go fishing with my uncle. And that is expectancy. Have you ever been in suspense over anything or excited? Anybody been excited about anything? You know, one thing that, that I've learned about life is as I've gotten older, I'm 52 years old, I don't get as excited about things as I used to. But you know, we need to stir ourselves up along these lines, particularly as it as it pertains to spiritual things, the Word of God. I've learned this about walking with God. If you don't keep yourself stirred up, things will become very mundane and Boring. Even, even as you walk with the Lord. Did you get what I just said? See, walking with the Lord isn't always like me laying hands on this girl that was up here last week and having her shake under the fire and power of God. Wouldn't it be nice if we could live like that all the time? But we can't. And even walking with the Lord, you gotta keep yourself stirred up or it will become boring as the day is long. I didn't stutter, did I? I said walking with the Lord can become boring if you don't keep yourself stirred up and in a state of expectancy. Because he's not always manifesting himself like he did last Sunday. Heal that little boy's knee. How many of you were here when he healed that little boy's knee? The little boy up here crying. The fire of God went into his knee and healed him. The little 11-year-old boy up here crying like a baby. is that wonderful? Wouldn't it be nice if we could live there all the time? But you can't, you see. Did you hear me? So you got to keep yourself stirred up. Same thing's true in your marriage. I love my wife but but if we don't keep ourselves stirred up towards one another, things can become very boring and mundane, even in the best of a marriage you got to keep yourself stirred up in your marriage. Did you hear me uh, you know with your with your children, with your parents you got to keep yourself stirred up and invest in one another and did you hear me? Our things can become very mundane and very Boring. I've watched this in marriages over the years where husbands and wives just get bored with one another. And that'll happen. If that can happen in our walk with the Lord, how much more could that happen in our marriage? Right? It's boring. You know, I wake up every morning. I got to look at her and she's got to look at me. We've been doing that 20 some odd years. I asked the pastor that I was attending his church years ago about uh, a certain... Girl and if I should marry her And he said brother You're the one that's going to have to look at her in the morning When you wake up not me (laughs) That's the truth isn't it So we got to keep ourselves stirred up How many of you know when you wake up in the morning You don't look A woman or a man doesn't look as good as they do When they're all fixed up Is that right So you got to keep yourself stirred up It takes faith Did you hear what I just said? It takes faith. None of this is in my notes. This is just coming out of my heart. People need to hear what I'm saying right now. It takes faith. What is faith? The substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. So. (laughs) Huh? Huh? but i don't care how mundane i don't care how boring i don't care how bad or how impossible the situation looks if you'll if you'll if you'll keep yourself stirred up and invest in one another invest in in the lord you know in, in you see you understand what i'm saying that which is seemingly dead can come back to life and be vibrant again did you hear me? Did you hear me? I don't know why I'm saying all this. None of this is in my notes. It takes effort on both parts. It takes effort. Good relationships don't just happen, they have to be worked on. They have to be worked on by both parties. Right? Are you okay? So if there's something in your life that's kind of waned off, you know what I mean when I say waned off? It isn't as exciting as you'd like it to be. By faith, just believe God and stir yourself up. You'll never be able to change the other person. All you can do is change yourself. So stir yourself up. Amen. If you're not excited about looking at your spouse in the morning, just stir yourself up before you go to sleep. And then when you wake up, stir yourself up about looking at him. Praise God. And if they don't look so good, look at them in faith. Amen. Okay. And that goes for a marriage. That goes for... I've learned this too. Now, my wife is beautiful. But, you know, if all you have is... Well somebody said, none of this is in my notes, but somebody said one time, Beauty is skin deep but ugly goes all the way to the bone. Is that right <laughs> and, if, and if all you got is is that physical attraction you you've got very little, you got to be in love with what's on the inside, so it takes faith, say it takes faith, yeah, so don't give up on whatever it is you Been thinking about giving up on. Amen. Amen. Rise up. Stir yourself up. Okay. Now none of that was in my notes. But I'll guarantee it to you. At least one person needed to hear what I just said. You alright. Expectancy. Let's expect some good things. It's better than expecting bad things. Let's expect some good things. Jesus can turn the most impossible situations around. If He can raise the dead, how much more could He change your situation? If you just stir yourself up and let Him... We've got to cooperate, though. Realize, say, cooperate. Cooperate. Now, that's a word for somebody here today. Cooperate. You're going to have to cooperate. You're going to have to cooperate. Realize, say, cooperate. Cooperate. Have to cooperate with the Lord, cooperate with the Word of God, cooperate. And if you just cooperate with, with what's good and right, things will turn out good and right. Okay? All right, now let's see if I can get on with my notes here. Let's go to Luke, the second chapter. Did you know that there were people anticipating the Lord's first coming? There, was, there were there were two people, particularly one person, but two actually. They were hanging on the edge of their seats waiting for the Lord. And they waited for Him for years. Now I'm talking His first coming. Realize I'd say for years, for years? For years. Hanging on the edge of their seat every day waiting for the virgin to conceive, you know. These people don't get talked about much, but let's go to Luke 2.21. I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation. Eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, this was Jesus. He was named Jesus, now baby Jesus. His name given him by the angel before he was conceived, you know, in Mary's womb. Then it was time for her uh, purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, to to the Father. Now the Lord... Now, the law of the Lord says, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered a sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And so they're there at the temple doing that. Mary and Joseph and have little baby Jesus there. Now, verse 25. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. You ever hear of Simeon? Simeon. Now, watch this. He was a righteous and devout and he was so he was righteous he was devout now the fact that he was righteous means he was a man of faith okay and he was devout and he was what eagerly waiting that's anticipation isn't it he was eagerly waiting he was in in anticipation for the messiah to come and rescue israel and the holy spirit was upon him and had Now, not watch this, and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That's that's pretty awesome, isn't it? Now, the spirit of God revealed this to him. Now, look at verse twenty seven. Now, this was the day that Mary and Joseph were brought Jesus to the temple, you know, to be circumcised. That day, the spirit led him to the temple. Now, who did the spirit lead to the temple? Simeon. So he was righteous. He was a man of faith. He was devout. He was anticipating the Lord's coming. He was eagerly waiting. Not just waiting, but eagerly waiting. And the Spirit of God revealed him. He wouldn't die until he'd seen the Lord's Messiah. And that day the Spirit led him to the temple. See, he was a man that was sensitive to the Spirit. He kept himself stirred up. And kept himself sent, you see if you don't keep yourself stirred up, you'll, you'll become dull, even as it pertains to flowing with the Holy Spirit. You gotta keep yourself tune, in tune, you know. And he did that, and he was in tune, and, 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 now, now listen to me. Even though the Spirit of God had revealed something to him, that he wouldn't die until he saw the Lord, yet if he had not been led by the Spirit that day, he would have missed it. Did, did you get that? Did you get that? You got to keep yourself stirred up every day, and that day, realize, say, say, say that day, yeah, that day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, to the heavenly Father, you know, as the Lord required, Simeon was there. See, he was there, but he he was only there because he'd been led. He was he was continuously being led by the Spirit. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying. Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. You see, there's things that God will promise us. But if we're not led by the Spirit and stay in His will, we'll miss them, Even though He's promised them to us. Did you get what I just said? Did you get what I just said? We've got to be led and stay, stay stirred up towards the Spirit of God. Now I didn't mean concerning the, you know, promises of the word of God. You know, I'm talking about in your personal life. There's things that the Lord has spoken to my heart over the years. And I'm confident I've missed some of them. And then you get angry with the Lord because, well, Lord, what you told me didn't come to pass. No, it's because I I didn't stay sensitive to him and I didn't I wasn't being led daily like I needed to be. And so I'm not in the right place at the right time for him to do what he told me he would do. Do you know there's promises from the Word of God that are unconditional? Jesus is coming a second time. That's that's unconditional. That's going to happen. But there's some things that are conditional. Did you hear what I just said? Did you get that? And and uh, like he said, if we'll be willing and obedient, we'll eat the good of the land. Well, you're not going to eat the good of the land unless you're what? Willing and? What if you're just willing but not obedient? What if you're obedient, but not willing? You know, you can be obedient, but your heart not be in it. You see, and so there are conditional things. Now, the Lord made this guy a promise, but he had to stay sensitive to the spirit of God and stay stirred up and eagerly waiting to, 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 to be in the right place at the right time to, to see what God wanted him to see. Did you get what what I just said there? Did you or didn't you? Did, did you get that? Why oh, I see so many Christians miss it. They miss what they miss the best God has for them because they don't keep themselves stirred up and they don't keep themselves uh, sensitive to the spirit of God. And he says, I've seen your salvation. Did you know he got to see something? He got to see something the prophets of old desired to see and they didn't get to see it. He got to see Jesus. In the flesh. Didn't he? And them prophets of old, Isaiah and Ezekiel and Jeremiah, wouldn't they have loved to got to see Jesus in the flesh? But they didn't get to see Jesus in the flesh. They got to look in the spirit ahead and see him in the spirit, but they never got to see Jesus in the flesh as they lived on the earth. But Simeon did. Isn't that wonderful? I've seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, but he will be a joy to many others. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the... Deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. And that was when Jesus would be crucified. And how many of you know that cut Mary's soul, didn't it? And then there was somebody else. So so Simeon was there anticipating the Lord's first coming. And then there was a lady, a prophetess named Anna, verse 36, was also there in the temple. She was a daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years, and then she, she never remarried. She remained a widow after that to the age of 84. Look at this. She never left the temple and stayed there day and night. Well, she's not going to miss what God has for her. This is, this, is, this is somebody that's really anticipating. She's not going to leave. She doesn't want to miss anything. She doesn't want to take a chance on missing out of seeing the Lord. How many of you, if you knew Jesus would be walking by Hawkins and New Sugar Creek tomorrow at noon, you'd be out there for sure. You'd be out there. Is that right? How many of you, you'd be out there? Well, he, he may not be walking in Hawkins and New Sugar Creek tomorrow at noon, but he is gonna be coming soon in the clouds of glory. And we need to be looking for him and waiting for him. Just like, just like Simeon and Anna. They were hanging on the edge of their seats, man, I'll tell you. She never left the temple, stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. And she came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been what? Who had been what? Who had been... Is that anticipation? I feel like singing Carly Simon's song. Anticipation. They don't have a clue who Carly Simon is. Anticipation. It's making me wait. Well, if these people would help me just a little bit, I could have a preaching spell, couldn't I? How many's ever heard of Carly Simon? How many's ever heard that? Watch that ketchup commercial when they were. Did Anybody ever see that? Was that Hunt's or Heinz, or was that what? Does anybody remember? Does anybody eat ketchup besides me? Was it Hunt's or Heinz? You don't have a clue, Heinz. Anticipation, it's making me wait. Hey, 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 Tim. How many of you anticipating the Lord's coming? How many of you looking more for the Lord's coming than you are to catch up to come out of the bottle? Well, you're, you're, you're a very unusual group because most Christians I've met over the years are waiting for that catch up to come out of the bottle more than they are Jesus coming. It's sad, but it's true. Let's be more anticipatory. Is that a word? It is now. About the Lord's coming than we are to catch up coming out of the bottle. Can you say amen? amen? She was waiting expectancy. expect. Well, you know. For God to... She was looking for Jesus, wasn't she? Okay? We need to be the same way. You know, after Jesus now now, of course, Christmas time we're you know the Lord's first coming, we need to be anticipate they were in, in anticipation for his first coming. and We talk about that. But I, just in my heart, I'm, I'm supposed to stir you up today about his second coming. That's what I'm supposed to do, even though it's Christmas time. I'm supposed to stir you up about his second coming. Because, you see, he came the first time. And remember, we told you last week there were so many prophecies about his first coming. But there's eight times as many about his second coming as there was his first. So if God got it right on the first coming, and there's eight times as many prophecies about his second coming as his first, how many of you know Jesus is going to come again? Is that right? So we need to be anticipating, hanging on the edge of our seat every day when we get up in the morning. We need to be thinking about the Lord's coming. And when we go to bed at night, we need to be thinking about the Lord's coming. We we really do. Because he's right at the door. He's getting ready to come. But look at Matthew 24. Verse 42, right after Jesus gave his greatest sermon or discourse, it wasn't really a sermon, he was talking to his disciples. He gave his greatest discourse, you know, gave his greatest discourse on his second coming. In Matthew 24, he said this, and look at verse 42. Watch therefore, that implies anticipation, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Yes. Right after he, and you could read Matthew 24, he's talking about his second coming there, and then right after he, and we're not gonna go through all of that, but you know, the, he talks about many false Christs will rise, and many will be deceived, there'll be wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes in great, diverse places, and all of that. And then he comes down, after he does all that, he says this, watch therefore. Does that imply anticipation? He said, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Now, we may not know the day or the hour, but we can know the season and we are in the season. Believe me. Amen. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have what? He would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken in, in, into. Therefore, you also be ready for the son of man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So we need to be ready. If He's coming, because I figured this out years ago, if He's coming when we least expect, what do we need to be doing all the time? Expecting. Anna wasn't going to take any chances. She was going to stay in the temple day and night all the time. She would not take any chances on missing seeing the Lord. And we need to be that way in our hearts, don't we? Be looking for him all the time. And then right after this, Jesus gave three parables. I'm not going to go through them, but he talked about the faithful and the evil servant, the wise and the foolish virgins and the talents. And all of those parables have to do with watching and being ready and anticipating the Lord's return. Using your talents every day as though the Lord was going to come back within the next five minutes. That's how we're supposed to live our lives as Christians. Always eagerly waiting for him to come. Now, notice if you would, let's go to Revelation, the first chapter and the ninth verse. Revelation, the first chapter and the ninth verse, New King James Version here. I'm switching between the New King James and the New Living today. So notice here, John, both your brother and companion, this is verse 9, Revelation 1, 9. You ever heard of John? He uh, got the book of Revelation. He was one of Jesus' closest disciples. And he said, Your brother and companion in tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was on the island that's called Patmos for the word of God, testimony of Jesus Christ. They'd exiled him there. He said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Now, on Sunday, more than likely, first day of the week, he was in the Spirit. That means he was praying. He He was deep in prayer. Now, this implies to me that he was anticipating. People that, that, that spend time in prayer and they get in the spirit and, 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 and what does it mean to get in the spirit? As you pray and, and, and you're walking with the Lord and praying, you can get over in the spirit. I don't know how to explain it to you. It's like trying to explain the Rocky Mountains to somebody that's never been there, you know. Or explain the Grand Canyon to somebody that's never been there. How do you, how do, you do it? But you see, this in the spirit there means that he was anticipating. He was in prayer. He's deep in prayer, and he heard. Behind, he said, "I heard behind me a loud voice as a what? As a as a what? As a, can you say trumpet? As a trumpet. Now when I talk to you, you need to talk back to me. Okay? It's very rude if you don't talk back to me. How would you like to talk to me and I don't answer you? Say, Pastor Terry." I'm not, now, if I talk to you, you talk back to me, all right? All right, can you do that? So, it, it, can you say trumpet? There you go, see, you can do it. I'm proud of you. So, what did he hear behind him? It, it was a voice, it was as a trumpet, wasn't it? And, of course, he turns and he sees Jesus and... You see we're talking about Jesus second coming. We need to realize and what I want to get across to you today is what what do we need to be looking for? What are we actually we need to be listening for something? We need to be listening for a, and we'll get into that in a minute, but we need to be listening for a trumpet. A trumpet. Realize say trumpet? trumpet. I'm listening for a trumpet. Now, we'll get to that in a minute, but notice this in Revelation 4.1. See, what should you be waiting for? We talk about his second coming. Actually, his second coming is in two parts. You need to realize that, and most people don't. I've taught on this for years, and still people don't get it. I don't know what I can do to get it across to you other than just keep going over it. His coming is in how many parts? Two Two parts. Second coming is in two parts. The first part of it is the rapture. When the Lord, we'll, we'll read it here in just a minute, when the Lord comes back to catch his church up to heaven. And then there's a seven-year tribulation period. And at the end of that seven-year tribulation period, the Lord comes back and sets his feet on the Mount of Olives and all of that. There's two parts, you see. And a lot of times people get those two, they think it's all one, but it isn't. There's two parts to his second coming. Now, how many parts are there to his second coming? There's two. The first one is known as the rapture of the church. We're going to look at that here in a minute. And then there's a seven-year tribulation period. And at the end of that seven years, that's when Jesus comes back, you see, and sets his feet on the earth. When he comes back in in the rapture, he doesn't set his feet on the earth. He catches us up to him. But when he comes back at the end of the seven-year tribulation period, that's when he sets his feet on the earth. Now, what we need to be looking for as Christians, as, as members of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to be looking for or list actually we need to be listening for the sound of a trumpet. That's what we need to be listening for. And, and, and there's more to that. We'll see in a minute. But notice in Revelation 4 1, John now now we just read about him in chapter 1. He was he was anticipating the Lord's coming. He was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. He was anticipating and he heard this voice behind him as of a trumpet turned around he saw Jesus. If you ever want to know what Jesus looks like, you can read the rest of chapter 1 of Revelation there. But go to Revelation 4 now. And, and, because you see, in, in chapters 2 and 3, it's a church age. That's what we're living in right now is a church age, you see. We're in the church age. But in Revelation 4, 1, we're going to see how the church age concludes. After these things... This is verse 1. After these things, after the church age, we're living right, dear friends, we're living right at the end of that. The church age is just about to finish. And and, and notice he said, I looked. Does that imply anticipation? And behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet. There's that trumpet again. Speaking with me a trumpet speaking that's the voice of the lord like a trumpet saying what was what was that trumpet voice saying come up, here. come up here and i'll show you things which must take place after this that's what we need to be listening for is that 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 trumpet it's, it's the voice of the lord it sounds like a trumpet it'll be saying come up here That's what we need to be waiting for. We need to be waiting for that every day that's soon to take place. I I tell you what, I can't wait till the Lord comes back. I'm looking forward to I'm more looking forward to the Lord coming back than I I was looking forward to my uncle coming and take me fishing. Amen. (laughs) I know I've been to heaven. I got a glimpse of it. Yeah, I've been there. The Lord caught me up. I I went up in a dream. And I tell you what, I was there just a brief time. And I tell you what, when you get just a glimpse of heaven, you won't want to come back here to this earth. I said, you won't want to come back here to this earth. I said, you won't want to come back here to this earth. Just on the singing alone, just on the singing alone, I, I, just on the singing alone, uh, when I when I came back down, I, I, I didn't want to leave there. I was in tears. Was, I didn't want to leave there because the singing was so beautiful. Don't you ever feel sorry for a Christian that's died. They've gone to be with the Lord. They wouldn't want to come back here now if they could. Just the, 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 the choir alone, the music alone, I've never heard anything like it. I tell you what, I, Elvis has nothing on... The music of heaven. There's nothing I've ever heard like it. I said there's nothing I've ever heard like it. I said there's nothing I've ever heard like it. I didn't want to come back. I didn't want to come. I told people, I've told people for years when Christians have died. I said, well, they wouldn't want to come back now if they could. And you know, it's the God's honest truth. You get a glimpse of heaven. You want to come back here. Oh, no, absolutely not. Well, that's where we're fixing to get to go to. Somebody said, well, what are we going to do in heaven? Oh, it's exciting. It's, it's a zillion times more exciting than anything here on the earth. Just the music alone. the It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Sometime I'll tell you more about it. But praise God forevermore. He said, come up here and I'll show you things that must take place after this. Now, what's going to happen when the Lord at the rapture? Well, I'm glad you asked that. Go to First Thessalonians four, verse 13. First Thessalonians four, verse 13, New Living Translation. Now, here's what's going to happen. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to believers Who have died. Now what about people who have already died in the Lord. They died believing in the Lord. So you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died. Raised again to life. We also believe that when Jesus returns. God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns. Will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven. With a commanding what? Shout. With the voice of the. And with the, there's that trumpet again. Isn't that trumpet? We need to be listening for that trumpet. For the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Now, if that the Bible didn't say that, I wouldn't believe it. But the Bible says that I believe it. How's it going to happen? I don't know, but God's powerful, isn't he? What's going to happen at the rapture of the church? The Lord's going to descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the... Trumpet of God and the dead in Christ, those people, those Christians who have already died. Their spirits are in heaven right now. Is that right? I'm talking about Christians who have died. I'm talking about my mother. Her spirits in heaven with the Lord. When the Lord comes back, he's going to bring all of those saints who have died. Old Testament and new. Their spirits are going to come back with him. You okay? Their bodies are going to be blasted out of the graves. If they've been cremated, he's going to, I don't know how God's going to do it, but he's powerful, isn't he? And their bodies are going to be raised in spiritual bodies, never to die again. Their spirits are going to go back in their bodies and they're going to live forever. Can you say amen? Amen. But what about you and me if we're still here? Well, all this tells us, all this tells us is that we're going to be caught up, doesn't it? Notice verse seventeen, then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, We'll be with the Lord forever. But I'd like to know a little bit more about what's going to happen to me if I'm still alive here on the earth when He comes. So let's go to first 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty and, and it'll it'll tell us exactly what's going to happen to us if we're still alive when the Lord see if're we not if, if we go to heaven by way of the grave. Then when we die, our spirits go on to heaven and our body goes into graves, awaiting this rapture. And then if we're, if, if, if that's the case, then what happens when the Lord comes into rapture? He brings all those spirits of everybody that's died, Old Testament, New, believing in Jesus, their spirits come back, their bodies are resurrected, their spirits go back in their bodies and, and, and go on to heaven to be with Him. Won't that be wonderful? But what about if we're still alive? Well, look at this. First Corinthians 1550. What am I saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. See, if you're born again right now, your spirit is ready for heaven, but your body isn't. Did you hear me? See, when I went up in that dream, I, my body didn't. I, I went up my, my I don't know how it works, but my spirit I went up in my, my spirit. I went up. That's what happens to Christians. They don't go down. What's down? Down is hell. But what's up? Heaven. Glory to God. But notice, if we're still alive here, what am I saying, dear brothers? Is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all, what? Will not all? But we will all be transformed or changed. It will happen in a... Moment in the blink of an eye. Twinkling of an eye. When the what? There's that trumpet again. We need to be listening for that trumpet. When the last trumpet's blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. We just read that, didn't we? And we who are living will also be what? Transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Just like Jesus had when he walked out of, the, out, of the, out of the tomb. Is anybody excited about that besides me? Do you believe that's going to happen? It sounds pretty far-fetched. And if it wasn't in the Bible, I wouldn't believe it. But it's in the Bible, and I believe it. And we've got to keep ourselves stirred up concerning it. Did you hear what I just said? I'm going to say this now and I'll say it again in a minute. But if you're not watchful and you don't keep yourself stirred up on these things. You can get real natural. And real. Is this ever going to happen? Could that happen? Could all that really be true? Well it is true. But if you don't keep yourself stirred up and and you don't keep yourself in anticipation, this can drift from you. Did you hear what I just said? I said this can drift from you. This needs to be at the forefront of what we think about every day. These are not just cunningly devised fables. This is the the word of God that cannot lie. I said it's the word of God that cannot lie. I said it's the word of God that cannot lie. I said the Lord's gonna descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ arise first, and we here alive and remain will be changed in a moment, twinkling of an eye, will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord, and it's gonna happen because God is not a man that he should lie. And I believe it, why? Because the Bible said it. And I tell you what, if we'd get our minds on that more than on our problems of our everyday life, I tell you what, the problems of everyday life would fade and pale in comparison to the glory that God has for us. Can you say amen? Glory to God. I'm waiting for a trumpet to blow. I'm waiting for there to be a shout. I'm waiting for the voice of the archangel. Bless God. Praise God forevermore. And then after that, just listen to this. After we're caught up to meet the Lord in the air. See, that's the first part of his second coming. And then the Antichrist is released. I'm glad we're going to get out of here before that old creep shows up. How about you? And then there's going to be a seven-year tribulation period. And then after that seven years, Jesus returns to earth riding on a white horse along with his saints. You better get you some riding lessons if you don't know how to ride a horse. Because we're going to come back with him at the end of the tribulation. Can anybody say amen? And then the devil's cast into the bottomless pit. And the Antichrist and the false prophet, they're cast into the lake of fire. Then Jesus reigns for a thousand years upon the earth. And his saints, that's you and me, serve as his governmental officials based on the faithfulness of our service to him during our lives here on the earth. That's why we need to be faithful to him now in this time. Can you say amen? And then, at the end of the millennium, the devil's released for a short season to deceive. You know... The devil's a deceiver. Did you know that? Oh, I tell you what. Let me tell you something. I feel impressed to tell you this. The devil will paint you a real beautiful picture. He'll tell you, you don't have to obey your parents. They don't know. They're just old fogies. The devil will paint you a picture. Oh, you can have sex out of wedlock. No big deal. Oh, you can try these drugs. It's going to make you feel real good. And the devil will paint you a beautiful picture. But what he doesn't show you is at the end of that, there's death and destruction. And the devil is a master deceiver. Did you hear what I just said? I hate the devil, but he's real good at what he does. And one of his main tools is, say this, say to deceive let's don't be deceived amen and and so he'll be the devil when he's when he's released from the bottomless pit at the end of the at the end of the millennium he's going to go out and he's going to deceive multitudes and multitudes and multitudes and they'll follow him isn't that sad and then he'll be cast into the lake of fire then there'll be a great white throne judgment for all who've rejected jesus Then the atmosphere and the earth are renovated by fire, new heaven, new earth, so on and so forth. I'm not going to teach all that, but I'm going to close on 2 Timothy 1. Let's go, 2 Peter 1. Let's go over there. I just needed to tell you all that because that's all going to happen, you know. But I want to close here in 2 Peter. We need to look more at, I think, 2 Peter. I think I'm going to get into teaching a little bit about that when we get into the new year. You know, Peter, walk with Jesus. And look here at 2 Peter 1.16. He says, For we're not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is his first coming. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes. When we received honor and glory from God the Father, the voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, This is when they were on the Mount of Transfiguration. This is my dearly loved Son, whom brings me great joy. We ourselves heard that voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Because of that experience, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. We must pay close attention to what they wrote, for their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place. Now, why did I read that? Because Peter walked with Jesus, and he said that the things in the word of God are not clever stories just made up, but they're the word of God. And we need to believe the Word of God. And we need to believe the prophets as they spoke not only of His first coming, Christmas time. We celebrate that, but also about His second coming. And then notice, if you would, go to 2 Peter 3, verse 2. New Living Translation. Just just bear with me here. I want you to remember what the Holy Prophet said long ago and what our Lord and Savior commanded through, through the Apostles. Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come. Have you ever heard of any scoffers out there? We need to keep ourselves stirred up about this. I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come mocking the truth and following their own desires. Here's what they'll say. What happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. But they deliberately forget that God made the heavens by the word of his command. And he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. And he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And by the same word, the uh, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They're being kept for the day of of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. Now watch this, verse 8. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years are like a day. You need to mark that in your Bibles and it wouldn't hurt to look at that about once a week. And remember that. You see, Jesus, does anybody know how many thousands of years ago he went back up into heaven? I'll give you a hint. How many? That's a long time, isn't it? But to the Lord, it's only been about two days. If we'd remember that, it would help us. Remember over in the book of Revelation, he said, behold, I come quickly. Behold, I come quickly. Behold." You see, to us it's not quickly. But to him, is two days a long time? Two days isn't a long time to me. But 2,000 years is. And you need to remember that. You see, the Lord, from His perspective, He just went, back, he just went up into heaven about two days ago. Now to us, that's, a, that's two millennia. But to the Lord, it's only been two days. Oh, if you'll just remember that. How many of you know if the Lord tarries His coming just just that much? We're all going to die, aren't we? Is that right? And we'll all go to heaven by way of the grave. All the Lord would have to do is, Terry is coming, just, 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 just a touch. And we'll all, be, we'll all be, we'd be 100, 200, 300 years old. Is that right? So you see, you need to understand that because how many of you, if you're like me, you get impatient? And you get antsy. And Lord, when are you ever going to do this? You said you were going to, my wife and I talk about it often. When is the Lord ever going to, we got to remember a day is as what? And a thousand years. Is that right? We need to remember that. The Lord is now, look at verse nine. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Isn't he wonderful? But the day of the Lord, that's talking about his second coming and into the thousand year reign, will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then at the conclusion, now Peter just jumps over a thousand years here. Then, at the conclusion of which is what this talking about, the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire and the earth and everything on it will be found to to deserve judgment. Do you know why God's going to burn everything up with fire at the end? Because he's got to burn all the sin out of this place. Since everything around you is going to... Now, and I read all that really to get to this. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives should you live? He just told us to live holy, didn't he? Yeah. And then verse 12, he says, looking forward to the day of God. Does that have anticipation in it? Yeah. We need to look forward to the day of God. And hurrying it along, on that day he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away with flames. Somebody asked me one time, where are we going to be when he's renovating the heavens and the earth? Well, I believe we'll be in a safe place. The Lord will take care of us, won't he? I don't get caught up on stuff like that anymore. I used to argue that with people years ago. The Lord will take care of us. We'll probably be in heaven while he's, you know, up in heaven itself when he's renovating the heavens and the earth. And then we're going to live on that new heaven and that new earth with that new heaven for eternity. Did you hear me? There won't be any sickness. There won't be any disease. There won't be any pain or suffering. Won't that be wonderful? Won't that be wonderful? How many of you looking forward to that? No more funeral parlors. No more graveyards. No more tears. No more bad doctors reports. No more doctors. Why? Don't need them. Can you say amen? No more psychiatrists. Why don't don't need them. No more dark days. No more blue Mondays. No more. Can you say amen? Glory to God. I'm looking forward to that. It's just right around the corner. It could all happen. I mean, the Lord could catch us up out of here just before I finish this sermon. I'm looking forward to that. How about you? I hate funeral parlors. I hate hospitals. I hate going to the hospital. I just don't like the atmosphere. Now, I'm glad they're there, thank God, to help people. But how many of you know there's going to come a day when there won't be a need for hospitals? I'm looking forward to that. We won't ever have to worry about the phone ringing again. There being bad news. There won't be no more bad news. Glory to God. Isn't that wonderful? Hallelujah. Are you looking forward to that? Look at verse 13. But we are looking forward to, there's anticipation again, new heavens and a new earth that he has promised. God's promised it; it's coming. A world filled with God's righteousness. You know, there's, there's gonna, there's a lot of television shows not gonna be on the air. Huh? It, it, did you hear me? Ain't gonna be no cussing, no profanity. Won't that be wonderful? Is that gonna be wonderful? I said no cussing, no profanity, no lying, no cheating, no stealing, no adultery, no fornication. No, thank God, no pornography. See, all that stuff, that's one of the reasons God's going to burn, he's got to burn all that stuff up. Is that right? Glory to God. I wonder if there's going to be golf courses over there. I wonder if there's gonna be Diet Coke. No Diet Coke. What do you think? No Diet Coke? She says there's no Diet Coke. Now we're gonna have a, we're gonna have a riot breakout, huh? No, you don't, you don't need to diet. Won't that be wonderful? Glory to God. I don't want to take too long here, but the glorified body is going to be so wonderful. You think we're going to be able to eat as much as we want in that glorified body and not get fat? Fruits and vegetables and grains. You ought to study sometime about the food in the millennium. It's going to be really cool and really neat. Yeah. No pastries. No pastries. No pasta. Huh? By the way, you asked me, Alex, you asked me a question about the millennium or whatever. And I've got the answer for you. I don't remember what the question was, but I've got the answer. See me after the service and I've got the answer. But nonetheless, that's that's beside the point. I just wanted to tell him that. I'm excited about the, the coming of the Lord. Amen? Now how do you know there's not going to be a Diet Coke? We don't need it. Okay. But I'm excited about it. You know, I'm going to be glad that, uh, that uh, well, let's just move on. I've done real good with my weight. But I tell you what, I, it's tempting to dive back in when my wife, she had a cooking party yesterday at the house. And she made about 19 dozen cookies, just about. How many did you make? Nine different kinds. And I didn't eat one of them, did I? I didn't even sample. Used to be, I, you know, and, and, and I'm just about over the shakes. The shakes don't get me anymore. Oh, the new heaven and the new earth. It's going to be so wonderful. I don't know all about it. The Bible tells us a lot about it. I'm not going to get into all of it today, but it's going to be so nice. The one thing I will say that the lion's going to lay down with the lamb, and snakes. I hate snakes. I've got that in common with Indiana Jones. (laughs) They're not in heaven. But they they will be on the earth during the millennium because the Bible said the child will be able to play at the cobra's den and not, 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 it won't hurt him. I'm not going to play at the cobra's den even in the millennium. How about you? One thing you need to know, and, and people don't realize this. About the Lord, Do you ever see any of those uh, how many remember Marlon Perkins what was that the, It was a wildlife show wild kingdom, and they 'd show those lions coming out there eating those zebras and, and that used to trouble me as a little kid, but you know that 's not the will of God. the animal kingdom when Adam fell, it affected the animal kingdom, the will of God. The uh I think originally all the animals were were vegetarians, if I'm not mistaken. The will of God is not killing and murder. The willing of God is not animals killing one another. That's not the will of God. Did you understand? That's not the will of God. That's all came as a as a part of the fall. What am I saying? All that's going to be done away with. It's going to be so wonderful. I'm looking forward to his coming. I'm looking forward to all that God has in store. Now, having said that, look at verse 17. I'm almost done. I, I know I preached a little long here, but I trust you've enjoyed it. I'm warning you, this is verse 17 ahead of time. Peter says, Dear friends, be on guard. So we need to be on guard so that you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people. And because see, he was talking about false teachers up earlier in the chapter and how they'll try to get you off track. And so we need to stay in the word of God so we're not deceived. Look at verse 18. But rather you must what? Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's what we need to be doing is growing in grace. Amen. And then let's just have them throw this on the screen. Hebrews nine twenty-eight. You don't have to turn there. Notice this. It says, Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many to those who eagerly wait for him. Is that anticipation? Yeah. He'll appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. Let's be waiting for him eagerly. What do you say? You know, his first coming is a matter of historical fact. His second coming is a matter of prophecy. His first coming was as a newborn babe. His second coming will be as king of kings and lord of lords. His first coming was to save sinners. His second coming will be to judge sinners. He came first as a lowly servant riding on a donkey. He will come a second time riding on a white horse as a conquering warrior. His first coming was to bring peace between God and man. Isn't that true? Between God and man. And his second coming will be to bring peace on the earth. And you know what? There'll never be lasting peace until Jesus comes back and sets up his kingdom. They'll try to get it in the Middle East and they might get things that look like it, but they'll never get it until Jesus comes back. Stand with me if you would. And bow your heads. Now listen to me. I know I covered a lot this morning, but here's what you need to leave with: the main thought is we need to be anticipating the Lord's second coming. We need to be waiting for the rapture. We need to be be, be sitting on the edge of our seats. Don't let the the cares of everyday life dull d u l l dull you from anticipating His coming. And I'm telling you. And I said it as I preached today, but you need to really remember this. That whenever the cares of this life begin to get to you, and you just don't know how you're going to be able to make it through another day, just know this, that there's something better that lie ahead. And keep yourself stirred up with that. Keep yourself stirred up with what we've said here today, that the Lord's coming. And if you'll do that, oh, it won't make those problems that you have go away. But it'll make them easier to bear. It'll make them easier to live through. Because, you see, the thing that, 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 that is so burdensome to you, now listen, the thing that is so burdensome to you, just before you know it, before you know it, it'll all be over. From God's perspective, it's very brief. It's very brief. It'll all be over. it's not going to be it's not going to be this way forever.